have your Bibles, let's go. Uh, Psalm 107. I know it's been a great mystery these past couple weeks of where will we be. Well, today uh, we will end our time in the Psalm 107. In fact, uh, where, where what's been happening is the psalmist is calling out uh, to the people of God to worship together as we just simply respond to the incredible truth of God's goodness uh, that is expressed through his steadfast love. And, and so he, now how he has done that admittedly has taken us quite a bit of time to do so. Uh, now, if you remember, in short, what the psalmist says from verses 1 through 3 is, is, is give thanks to God. And now, what we've tried to do is take an investigative approach uh, to these verses. And, and so as he says, hey, I want you to give thanks to God, what, we, what we've come in and we've said, okay, why? Like, like I don't know you. Uh, I've never walked with you. Uh, I just believe in faith that you're important because the Bible has put your psalm uh, in this space. So, so when you tell me to give thanks to God, uh, why is that? Like, what are you wanting me to do? And he says, well, give thanks to God because he is good. And we're like, okay, I hear you, but, but how? How does God bring that goodness out on display? And, and, and then the psalmist will respond, you know, we give thanks to God because he's good since he is the God whose love doesn't give up on us. He calls it his steadfast love. And, and, and now what we've done, because we're just trying to be snarky today, uh, is we've said over these past couple weeks, prove it. Like, show me. Like, if you want me to give thanks to him and you, you want me to believe that he's good uh, and you want to say, hey, his love doesn't give up on you, he sa- we say, prove it. And the psalmist says, all right, let's do that. Uh, and, and so each week, what we've done these past five weeks is, is the psalmist has been proving uh, this by, by taking us back to a few groups of people uh, who have found themselves in distress. Uh, in fact, uh, they find themselves in a situation where there is no way for them to rescue themselves. And now, now some of these groups have arrived there because of their own sinfulness. Some of these groups have arrived there uh, based on uh, just circumstances that are outside their control. Now, now nonetheless, they arrive at the end of themselves and they realize they cannot save themselves no matter how hard they try. And it's led each group in these weeks to what we've called a then moment. Uh, It's this moment that it says they then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. Uh, each case study has been that way, and we've, we've loved it. And prayerfully, what has happened is it's, it's proven uh, time and time again when, when God says, hey, um, I am the God whose love never gives up on you, and we say prove it. He says, this is what I'm talking about. That no matter where you are at, no matter how difficult life has become, that my love doesn't give up. And when you cry out, my promise is to deliver. And so, so this then moment is important because this is where they saw God move in mighty ways. And, and the reason the psalmist will tell us to give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And so, so we've been building each week on why God is good. 
And so, so we traveled with a group a couple weeks ago into desert waste. And, and when God rescues them and when God brings them to a city to dwell in, all we said was, okay, God is good because verse 9 tells us he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. And then we sat uh, with a group of people bound as prisoners in the darkness and of the shadow of death. And when God moved and rescued them, uh, we saw from verse 16 that, that he destroys the barrier and he breaks the chains. And then we watched as affliction engulfed these people who were fools through their sinful ways. And, and we were able to celebrate together when they cried out to God. And we saw in verse 20 that he's the God who heals us and he delivers us from our destruction. And then last week, if you were here, you'll remember we went out into a, to the sea and we, we found ourselves in a storm as the wind and the waves brought these men to their wits end. I love the fact that the ESV says wits end. Um, but he says that they brought them to their, their wits end. And, and prayerfully what happened is that we worship God as we saw from verse 30, that he quiets the storm and he brings us to safety. And all of these things are promises from God. Like every single one of them. It's why you can look at them and when someone says, okay, you say God is good, how is he good? Well, let's just go to Psalm 107 and let's talk about how that plays itself out. Because what God does for them in this psalm, he does for us in our own lives. And prayerfully, what we've talked about is that you might find yourself, right? Uh, you might find yourself in some of these circumstances and what God does in their then moment, he does for you and yours. And, and so as we wrap up this psalm, uh, it's kind of unfair because I'm, I like balance and I like rhythm. Uh, and, and the psalmist has spent all this time giving us the same kind of structure. Uh, and then at the end of the psalm, he doesn't. Uh, and I'm like, well, that's not fair. Uh, and then the Holy Spirit says, well, you didn't write it. And so, uh, so but our focus won't be with a group of people today, but rather it'll be with God. And I think rightfully so, actually, uh, because the psalmist wants to make sure that our attention is focused rightfully on the one that we can turn to in these times of, of distress. And so we'll, we'll travel through these, these final, I think, 10 or 11 uh, verses. But first, let's pray. Father, we thank you that as we just sang... I just want you, that that can be true, and that that should be true, and, and a fitting response to your love is just simply all of our adoration, all of our worship. And I pray over these next few moments that we would see with, with some clarity your goodness, and that we would see your love so that we can respond in the best way possible. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. All right, so, so the way this is structured is in three sections, all right? We're going to deal with the first two sections and build kind of our, uh, our last block uh, for why God is good. And then the third section is just going to be one verse toward the end. Uh, and it's going to serve as a, as a reflection of the invitation of what the psalmist has uh, been telling us throughout these 43 verses. Now, we'll get to there at the very end, okay? So if you're like checking your watch and saying, hey, uh, are we on pace to finish on time? We're going to get to that verse at the very end, all right? So just calm down, Matthew. Calm down, all right? So, 
So this first section is going to be covered in 33 through verses 33 through 38. And the psalmist just says, as we've talked about um, these people being brought back and the sailors being able to tell people about the goodness of God and what he's done, he, he turns our attention to God and he says, hey, I want you to listen and I want you to see this. That verse 33, he turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into salty waste. And we're like, man, this sounds depressing, right? Then he says, because of the evil of its inhabitants. Verse 35, he turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They, they sow fields, and they plant vineyards, and they get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. Okay, so, so in this first section, and I think we have these blanks in your talk notes, uh, what's being said here is that God can turn, and, and you're like, this sounds really self-explanatory, but just to make sure we're on the same page, that God can turn the garden into the desert and the desert into the garden according to his will. According to his will. That's the way this plays out. So according to his purpose of his glory. And then we find from verses 34 and, and verse 38, uh, they reveal to us why he does one and why he does the other, right? He goes from garden to desert because of the evil uh, of its inhabitants. And, and we see this at play really all throughout the Old Testament. We see this at play all throughout our current um, situations in our own society. That, that, that with both foreign nations and the Israelites and even here in the great old U.S. of A., that, that one of the greatest extensions of God's love is his unwillingness to allow evil and sinfulness to rule in the hearts of his children. Uh, and so, so at times that means there's a chastisement that's expressed in discipline. And, and so, so however, he, he doesn't move as a short-fused parent waiting to ground their kids without any warning, right? Uh, he's not like that. And if you're like that... Um, Good luck. Uh, I don't know if it really works out that well, uh, because what it results is your kids are always on eggshells saying, I don't know when mom and dad are going to blow up. And so, so we can take a page of our parenting out of what God does, and we can understand that he's not short-fused. In fact, he's steadfast, and he's long-suffering, and he sends, as we walk in his word, he sends his people to speak. Uh, he sends his prophets, and he sends his word so that we would know what he wants and what uh, when we need to repent and, and when we need to turn toward him. And then in verse 38, we, we catch the tail end of, of the blessings that he provides as he takes the land and he cares for his people, right? The people dwell and establish and they sow and they plant and they fruitfully yield by his blessing, not his curse, uh, as shown in verses 33 and 34, that, that God can turn a garden into a desert and a desert into a garden. God can judge the land because of the wickedness of the people who live there, and he can also heal the land and bless it because of the faith and the obedience of his people. Now, here's the thing. That's not a mystery. 
Like, this is, that's part of his covenant. He comes in consistently into your life, and he says, man, okay, when you do things my way, you will find my blessing, and you'll find my attention, not because I'm trying to control you, but because I'm trying to liberate you from all the dangers that are out there. I'm showing you the best path to freedom. I'm showing you your greatest avenue for joy. And so, so as God comes in, this is, this is part of his covenantal relationship that he has with us. It's, it's laid out in the word that, that we can know what pleases him and what displeases him. We can do that. And all it takes is just a little bit of discipline to open his word, to meditate on his word, and to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what God wants you to do. And I know that might be too simplistic for you today, uh, because then we have to actually, I don't know, do those things. And, and I say that in love. So we can know what pleases him. We can know what will be blessed. And we can know what will bring his loving discipline. And, that, and that's probably another lesson for a different day. Um, so, so that's the first section. That, that God uh, can turn a garden into the desert and the desert into a garden according to his will. The second section is going to reveal how God can humble the oppressors and raise up the needy. That's what's being said. In fact, verse 39 says, When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless waste. But, but he raises the needy out of affliction and he makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad and all wickedness shuts its mouth. What an incredible promise that all wickedness shuts its mouth. You know, I'm sure, now some of us, I'm, I'm sure some of us have objections uh, at times about the speed of God raising us out of affliction. If you've ever found yourself in affliction, you ever found yourself in a storm, it seems to take forever. Right? And you're like, God, I wanted you to move yesterday on this. And then he says, well, I'm God, so I get to, I get to play by the rules of my game here. Um, and so, so, but nevertheless, the promise is that he does. That he does so because he said so. That, that God can humble the oppressor because he cares for his children and he raises us and he, and he blesses us. And I love, 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 love verse 42 because, because when he brings us out of affliction... We experience gladness since God has vindicated the faithfulness of his people. And then again, it says, all wickedness shuts its mouth for the same reason. That at the name of Jesus for us, the demons flee. The light invades the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. And so, so this is the consistent pattern that we find as we meditate and we plant ourselves as trees, as, as Psalm, we said this, I think it was last week or the week before, uh, Psalm 1 says that, that we would plant ourselves as trees next to the streams of living water that God provides in, in the Word. And so, so let's build the block. Right? We have two sections, uh, two things being said, that He turns the garden into the desert, the desert into the garden according to His will, and then He, 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 um, he can humble the oppressors and raise up the needy. And so let's, let's add to our final block of why God is good. And, and again, the structure of this messes with me because each week we've found one verse to kind of build on and we don't get that today. 
Uh, in fact, we're going to see in three verses, 36, 38, and 41, that God is good because he protects, he provides, and he preserves his people. And you're like, oh, that's alliteration. Those are all P words. And you're like, well, yeah, that was an accident, but it happened. And so, so he's faithful. He is faithful to do this. And if you've been redeemed in Jesus, you should be able to share with the world how he has done this for you and how he continues to do these things. You should be able to talk about how he protects you, how he provides for you, how he preserves you. In fact, verse 36, it says, says he protects his own by giving us a safe place to dwell. That he gifts us with community, he gifts us with, with his presence, and so often in the Psalms we find these references. And, and I think when we talk about places to dwell, we, we can talk about a, a, a home to live in or, or a community to live in or a city and a town and a state to live in. But, but I think so often when we get into the Psalms, what we find are these references about God himself being our place of safe dwelling. In fact, let me just read you uh, three different references that I, that I love. Psalm 59, uh, verse 17 says, Oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you, for you, O God, are my fortress. You're the God who shows me steadfast love. Psalm 94, verse 22, But the Lord has become my stronghold, and my God, uh, the rock of my refuge. Verse 90, uh, Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. And that's what this psalm, that's what 107 is just trying to invoke you out of you. That God protects you by being your place of safe dwelling. That there's not a moment there's not a place that he goes, that, that, that you go, that he will not be there. And so he becomes your place in all the, and, and we'll, we'll find out some differing spots that he's in in just a second. Verse 38, he provides his blessing. He provides his blessing. He grants us today our daily bread. Now, some of us might have, again, maybe some arguments about how much bread I think I need in a day. But the promise of God is that I will provide your daily bread. And then you're going to wake up the next morning, and guess what I'm going to provide again? The bread for that day. And you say, well, God, I want a double portion. And he says, that manna doesn't work out that way, God. It doesn't, because I want you to know that my provision is for you. I want you to know that when I provide, it's because I love you. And so, so we get this moment in Matthew chapter 6 that I love. And, and Jesus is kind of talking to us about anxiety. Uh, and in it, he says, he says, I want you to take a moment and I want you to look at, at two things. I want you to look at the flowers of the field and I want you to look at the birds of the air. And he says, he says I want you to note how God clothes those flowers. And then I want you to look at the birds, and I want you to see how each day God provides for those birds. And then he does something beautiful for us. He says, and are you not that much more important to him than those? So, so spend some time this week in Matthew 6, listening to Jesus say, hey, God loves you more than those flowers, no matter how beautiful they may be. 
And God loves you more than those birds, no matter how majestic they may look. Because he is your provider. And he provides by his blessing. He doesn't do so reluctantly. He's not like, hey, I'm going to give you some cash to get you off my back. He says, he says I love to show you my, my, my love for you. And then we get to verse 41. So, so he, he protects, he provides. And then verse 41, he preserves his people. So, so when evil comes, what that means is he stands in the gap for the glory of his name. He does. All, all evil, all evil eventually find themselves face down and defeated in the presence of God. And I, I say that as a word of encouragement to you because we live in some dark times. We live in some, some scary moments, right? And if we allow our minds and we allow our hearts to go to, to some of those dark places, we, we end up in despair and we end up in hopelessness. And perhaps, maybe for you, that's your then moment. Maybe that's your then moment that when you cry out to God, He delivers you from that distress because He brings you to the safety of, of His presence. He does that. And so, so we can join with, with King David as he's responding in Psalm 16. He says these words from Psalm 16, verses 5 through 11. He says, the Lord is my chosen... This is an incredible prayer. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to shoal or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life in your presence there is the fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore so we get to the end of the psalm and we say god is good and you say how and why and we say because he protects he provides he preserves his people and now this, this reminds me of another psalm. And you're like, how many psalms can you get to? It's cool. There's like 150 of them in there, right? So we can just keep pulling them out left and right. But maybe one that's more familiar to you. Uh, the, the, you know, I, I hope that, that through our time, through 107, there's, it's, it's earned a special place in your heart because of our time together. But as I think of his protection and I think of his provision and I think of his uh, uh, preservation, of us, I'm reminded of the 23rd Psalm, uh, which, which echoes what we've been seeing here in these verses. That we, we can start with protection. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not want. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake, that, that even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Did anybody have Coolio in your head right there? No? Just me? Okay. 
I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's protection. Then we move to provision in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Then we get to preservation. It's verse 6. And I love that. I love verse 6. Because the psalmist looks, he says, everything that I've said about God. David says, everything I've just said about God. He says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So God is good. And this week he's good because he protects, he provides, and he preserves his people. And so, so now we arrive at the end in our third section. I told you we we're going to get there, right? And, and we arrive at this third section. It's, it's really just an invitation from the psalmist to us, which, which connects us to the first three verses of 107. Verse 43 says, Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. And you say, well, what things? What things do I need to attend to? He says, let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Now, now here's where I, I like for us to circle for landing. I, I'd like for us to take a moment, and I'd like for us to realize just how much better we have it than the audience of Psalm 107. Like, we have, we have the full gospel available to us. Uh, and, and even though this psalm is, is, a, is a psalm of, of praise and thanksgiving, the, these people are drawn towards seeing the rescuing of God because of his steadfast love, but they don't get that experience to the fullness that we get to. In fact, in fact his steadfast love, God's steadfast love is most expressed in Jesus. And that's why we have great cause for celebration today, right? Romans chapter 5, verse 8. That, that, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the fullness of the gospel. That's why, that's why we can join with this psalmist when he says God is good and we're like, boy, he is. He is. And somebody says, well, how? That while I was still a sinner, he sent Jesus to rescue me. And because of that, the promise of God is that I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will always provide for you, I will always protect you, I will always preserve you in every single circumstance of your life. I will do those things. And so, so God is good in 107 because he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he filled with good things in Jesus. That, that, that he destroys the barrier, he breaks the chains for us in Jesus. He heals and he delivers, and it delivers us from destruction in Jesus. He quiets the storm, he brings us to safety in Jesus, and he protects, provides, preserves his people in Christ Jesus. And that should be shouted from every rooftop. It is, and it should, but it's not, and that's the problem. So what happens when we keep our mouths shut 
is that we look at the psalmist and we say, okay, I'm on board. Uh, I'm on board with you on Sunday mornings from 1030 to about 1145. I don't mind doing that. I don't mind telling God he's good. I don't mind giving thanks to him. But this isn't the mission field. You get that, right? Right? This isn't the mission field. We, we ha- I, u- I used to be in a church that, that the pastor would say this uh, all the time. And, and it, it wasn't until I became a pastor that I started to disagree with it. He would simply say this, man, just bring your friends in and we'll close the deal here. And what I, what I discovered the more I read my Bible is that I'm not a closer. That's not the way that works. Now, we serve together in community, and we, we serve others in community, right? Uh, but, but you, God has people that he says, I want you to tell them of my steadfast love. Now, you can't do that until you've experienced it. And you can't do that until you're walking in it consistently. So here's the thing. I want you to invite your friends to come hang out with us on Sunday mornings. But, but I have my own people that God says you need to display your steadfast love towards. And you need to be able to walk with the psalmist here when you have a friend that says, why do you say God is good? And he says, let me tell you. Let me tell you what he has done. And the number one reason, the number one reason why you don't do that is because it's uncomfortable. That's, that's it, right? I mean, you could, you could argue with me, but that's, that's our number one reason. It makes me feel weird. So the psalmist says, give thanks to God because He is good because His steadfast love endures forever. Then he says, let the redeemed speak of what he's done. Because he has gathered us together. So what is, what is a church that is unwilling to speak of the goodness of God? It's a club. It's a club. The problem is, it won't be entertaining enough. It won't satisfy you enough. That's not the, in, the intent. The intent is for us to gather together. And we gather together on these mornings to make much of God so that when we go out these doors, we can make much of God to other people. That's the goal. All right? I love you guys. This week we're going to love God. Bye. All right. It's a couple things. As everybody starts to shift, they're like, kick off. We got to go. All right? As we start to shift, if you need prayer this morning, There'll be some people over on this side. We want to pray with you. We want to walk with you. We want to battle for you. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, we believe that you, it, it's, it's near impossible for us to really be able to see how good he is apart from Jesus. So we pray that today would be your day of awakening. That we would be able to celebrate that you were dead and now you're alive. But we want to make that available to you. So I'm going to pray us out, and then I'm going to dismiss us. Uh, We're going to leave the chairs because there's a...
another church that meets in the afternoon. And so that does, we don't have to do that anymore. So let's all just like, yes, we did it. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray that we would be a church that is set in motion. That we would be a people who want to proclaim your goodness and, and want to just live, live inside your love. I thank you that you protect us and that you provide for us and that you preserve us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. All right, you're, you're ticket out of here. I should have said this. It's to shake the hand of someone you don't know. All right? God bless. You're dismissed.